Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about providing tools for business owners to promote themselves and their businesses and to be as successful as possible. So today we're going to have a great time because we're going to be talking with a guest who is speaking to us about a subject that I know virtually nothing about. I know, hard to believe, but it it really is one of those subjects that fascinates me and I find so interesting, but I really don't know anything about it. So that's why I'm so looking forward to today's guest. So please join me in welcoming Bernadette Harris to our program. Welcome. Thank you, Deb. Thanks for having me. You know, this really is going to be so interesting. Um, and But before we jump in, let me tell folks just a little bit about you. So Bernadette L. Harris is a tax and forensic accountant, a number one best-selling author, keynote speaker, and QuickBooks trainer who is committed to keeping small business in business. As president of Buy the Book Accounting, she has helped hundreds of entrepreneurs across the country start, run, and grow thriving ventures. She helps her clients set their business up right, protect their business from fraud, and actually look forward to tax season. Bernadette's sense of humor and ability to translate accounting language into plain English make her an in-demand speaker, radio guest, and workshop leader. She has conducted training sessions for the U.S. Small Business Administration and has developed her own seminar series. Bernadette has helped workshop participants and clients alike avoid costly mistakes and save thousands of dollars in taxes. So again, Bernadette, welcome. Thank you. Thank you again for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So I <laughs> We are and it's funny when we were talking off the air, we're like, oh, this is gonna be so much fun. So yeah. I want to start with um, you have a statement on your LinkedIn profile because, hello, we all should connect on LinkedIn. Exactly. Um, so you say that one of your favorite sayings is businesses don't fail because they don't know how to do what they do. They fail because they don't know how to run a business. And I love that because I'm guessing that, and, and again, this is a guess, but I think probably many of the businesses that fail do so because of, of financial reasons. They either just don't know, you know, they're like me and two plus two don't always make four. Um, you know, they set up their accounts wrong. They, they don't set up as a business entity. And, you know, because they're thinking, well, I'm just running out of my basement or my, my spare bedroom. So they don't set up as a business. They do their taxes incorrectly, all of those things. And then poof, they're no longer a business. Yeah, because when you think about it, a bakery usually doesn't close because they don't make good cakes. Right. You know, they they make awesome cakes and they mm-hmm. make super duper pies. But if you don't know how to run a bakery, that is totally different from making a cake. Right. Um, and and so running a business is something that a lot of times people don't put a lot of time or energy into. Mm-hmm. And as a result, they, you know, it's like trying to bake a cake without eggs. It right. just doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you end up with that rock. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know. What would a cake without eggs be? Like, what would that be? I think it what? wouldn't rise. 
So, so I think it would be a brick. You know, you've just yeah. got a little, little fud there. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You can yeah, dip it, it. You can dip it in your coffee, but it's still probably not going to be good. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'd want that. No. Yeah, I don't, I don't think yeah. I want to taste that. And so I think that's what happens with business owners. Right. You know, and it's one of those things, especially as a small business owner or an entrepreneur, and and in particular, I think a lot of times, especially women, we do tend to think we can do it all ourselves. You know, and, and of course, men are like that, too. You know, and, and part of it is ego. We're thinking, well, I'm starting this business. I should be able to do everything myself. Mm-hmm. And there, you know, unless you are an accountant or someone with a financial background, that is one of the first things that, you know, can have difficulties. And I tell people when they are starting a business, there's probably two things that they absolutely have to outsource. And that's getting a lawyer and getting an accountant. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, it's one. You know, okay. You know, there's just so many questions in my brain. Um, why is it so important that a business owner sets up their accounting correctly? And it's just like we said, you know, in the beginning, if you want to stay in business, you have to put the things in place initially so that you can stay in business. You know, it's those foundational pieces that are just essential to the success of your business. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and of course, one of the first things that I tell people that they absolutely have to do is incorporate. Um, you know, whatever level they're going to do, S Corp, LLC, you know, wh- whatever it is. And of course, that's from a liability perspective. But it also makes you, and I'm putting this in my little air quotes, look real. You know, <laughs> if you just said, hi, I'm Bernadette Harris, they're like, well, that's nice. That's sweet. But when you mm-hmm. say, I am the founder of Buy the Book Accounting, they're like, oh, okay, you are a real business. Um, right. And... and and, and again, it is a liability thing. You know, you file taxes differently, all those various things when you have set up as a business. And you have to do that to protect yourself. Um, you know, depending on what you do, you could be sued. You could you could lose your house. I mean, you know, there's some commercials going on right now that, you know, if you don't incorporate, you could lose your house. You could lose your car. You could lose everything. And that's true. I mean, you know, people kind of scoff at that, but it really is true. You know, so you need to protect your personal assets and separate them from your business assets. Right. And and what you said, two key words, protect and separate. Mm -hmm. And um, that kind of leads into one of the other mistakes that a lot of times business owners make because they don't separate Mm -hmm. business from personal. And so you're running all of your business stuff and your personal stuff through the same account. You Mm -hmm. really do. You have to. And I think when you set up a business and you actually set it, you actually create that entity. Mm-hmm. It gives you the idea that, hey, this is something totally separate right. and it should be kept separately. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Right. Well, one of the, the first pieces of advice that somebody gave me you know, many years ago when I decided to set up Wise Women Communications was to, to obviously keep my bank account separate. But they said, go a step further, be in a different bank. You know, that way it's it's harder to transfer funds between accounts, you know, all of those various things. And and it was a mindset. You know, it was this is my business. This is my personal, um, you know, and and especially in this day and age, that's very easy to do. Mm hmm. It's very it, yeah. the lines can get blurred and they can get crossed. And that big bad word called commingling comes into play. Right, right. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, and it is something that 
I think for many people, we don't have a lot of knowledge about it. And so that's where it's great that we have experts like you to, to turn to and say, okay, Bernadette, what did I do wrong? Fix this for me. Or, hey, I'm right. getting ready to do this. What do I need to do? Right. And, and, you know, one of the things I think that keeps people from calling me or, or, or another accountant or an attorney is a lot of times they think that they can't afford it. Right. And I always tell people that you really can't afford not to call. Right. And it, it's, it's so much uh, easier if you take care of it on the front end mm-hmm. as opposed to having to fix it on the back end. Right. Because I can, I can assure you that is going to cost a whole lot more on the back end than it would have cost maybe an hour consultation as opposed to three weeks to fix, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. whatever it is that you messed up. Right. So it always costs more. It's always more expensive later, mm-hmm. um, you know, so you pay now or you pay later and later always costs more. Right. Especially if those three little things called the IRS are after you. <laughs> right. You know, right. Right. And, and it is something that if, if, to incorporate, to set your business up you know, correctly, is, is, it, it's not a, a quick, easy process, but it's also not a long, complicated process. And, and it varies by state. So you know, that's always something to keep in mind for everybody. And you know, we're not going to go into great detail about that. But check into it. Um, you know, I was back in Colorado visiting uh, family back there several months ago. And one of my nephews, who is in his 20s, was telling me he's setting up his own business. And I'm wow. oh, you know, okay. And I was so proud of this young man because he said it was taking a little bit longer than he'd initially thought because he was incorporating and he was doing this and he was and he was getting his liability insurance because he was going into uh, kind of handyman type of, of things. Which right, really, you know, and, yeah. and um and I was I really was. I was so proud of him because it would have been so easy for him to have just gone to his friends and said, Hey, I charge twenty bucks an hour and I'll do drywall. But no, he is you know, he set it up as a company. He you know, he did everything right and, and I really was proud that he had thought that through. That's awesome. That is, that I mean, um, we have lots of millennial entrepreneurs, and I love it. I, absolutely. I think that the millennials have a mindset that is totally different. They're a much more um, apt to take risk right. than uh, maybe our generation, um, because I mean, I mean, and, it, and it's a good thing. Like, what do they have to lose? You know? I know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a good thing that they're they're great risk takers and you have to be a risk taker in order to be, you know, to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it would be much easier to just have that nine to five job. You go in, you do your job and you're you're done for the day. Right. And you can go home and, and, and hang out with your friends or right. or do whatever, whatever. And take your two weeks vacation and, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's not to knock that. I mean, that's what my husband does. And, you know, know, we we, got to love that. And there are people that that is exactly what they need to do. But, you know, obviously there are those of us like you and I who are the entrepreneurs, who are the small business owners. And, you know, the the problem is a lot of times we like like I said, we we tend to go it alone. And, you know, and and then we screw ourselves up and then we have to go back to corporate America. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, now, one of your specialties is forensic accounting, and I love that. That really is, that's the area where I know nothing. So tell us what forensic accounting is. 
So forensic accounting is in plain English. Think of CSI with accounting records. So we're like investigators. We're, of course, accountants. So we use our accounting skills. We use our investigative skills. We use auditing skills Mm -hmm. to basically analyze financial records, bank statements, payroll reports, um, you know, anything with numbers, (laughs) basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And to see if there has been a crime committed Mm -hmm. and if so, by whom and how much. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's pretty much what forensic accounting is. Um, you know, you know, that's the very, very basic version. Right. I'm sure that you could find a, a pretty long um, <laughs> definition if you Googled it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, so why and when would someone hire a forensic accountant? So forensic accountants, uh, let's, let's talk. So I'm going to speak about the work that I do. So the, okay. uh, because forensic accountants do a lot of different things. Right. But as a f- forensic accountant, for small and medium-sized businesses, I work with companies to help them prevent or detect occupational fraud. So occupational fraud is fraud when you have an employee Mm -hmm. who's committed a fraud or someone on the inside who's committed a fraud. So it could be um, stealing, embezzlement, um, misappropriation of assets, um, cooking the books, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so an, a, a company would hire a forensic accountant when they think something is just not right, you know, mm-hmm. and they'll, that could be a situation like uh, sales are up, but the cash is really low. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're, we're, we're bringing in more customers, but we're still we're losing money or we're not seeing the profits that we think that we should be seeing. So maybe Maybe we need to take a look at some things or um, you haven't seen financial statements and the accountant or your keeper or whomever is giving you excuses as to why they can't get you the statements. Um, Or um, those are some of the really big ones that happen that or maybe your customers are calling and saying, hey, my statements are wrong. I paid you and my statement says that I still owe you or Bills aren't getting paid, but you you see money going out of the bank account. So those are some of the signs, some of the things that business owners might see and think, hey, I may need to to get a forensic accountant in here to take a look to see what's really going on here. Well, and we hear about that every day. You know, anytime you turn on the news, you're hearing stories about, you know, this company, this individual was embezzled from. Unfortunately, right. we hear a lot of nonprofits that that happens to. Oh yes, um, where you know that the head of the PTA, you know, took two hundred thousand dollars or twenty thousand. I mean, you know, depending on the size of the organization, twenty thousand could be their annual budget. Exactly. Um, you know, and 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 of course, it gets tricky in a vol- in a, a you know, an organization that is volunteers because we love to take anybody who wants to help. You know, and, right. and sometimes we're kind of we kind of have to, but. But it is then also an easy target, um, you know, and, and so it's, you know, it's it's something. And then, you know, we hear about celebrities that um, are, you know, taken advantage of. Um, I had a guest on the program several months ago where we uh, she uh, works with uh, sports figures and, you know, celebrities and, and people like that. And she helps them with their social media. But then somehow we delved into talking about the business aspects. And so many times they're so focused on the fact that they are a football player, a stand-up comic, a whatever. 
and they make, you know, X number of dollars and they have, right. they hire this person. And then all of a sudden, holy schmoly, they have no money in their accountants in the Bahamas. Um, right. You know, and, and so that's where, you know, and, and these are smart people. And we want to, you know, I want to make sure that, that we get that across. We're all smart people, but it's right. pretty easy sometimes for somebody to take advantage of us. Right. And see, here's the thing. When it comes down to fraud, particularly occupational fraud, Mm -hmm. these are the people that you trust. I mean, you don't turn your checkbook over to the slime of the earth. You know, you turn you turn this stuff over to the people that you trust and they prey on the fact Mm -hmm. that they are trusted. They are Mm -hmm. the most trusted people in the organization they work hard and they you know they do all of the right things mm-hmm. and um and that's what makes it really really hard and so right. business owners after being subjected to this type of fraud they're usually hurt they're ashamed um and all of those things but it's not it's not you right. <laughs> you know right. it, 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 and like you said like I, and that's one of the things that I Really, uh, I really want to do more for our prevention and training and stuff like that, because Mm -hmm. I want to teach small business owners just how to protect themselves, just how to, you know, how to know the signs, some of the things to look for, some of the things that should raise an eyebrow, some of the things that should cause you to question Mm -hmm. whatever or whomever, because that's what they do. They prey on, Mm -hmm. you know, being trusted or or like and that's what makes it hurt. So much. Right. Well, and, you know, as the business owner, I have hired that person because they're an expert. Exactly. And so then I trust that they're doing what they're supposed to do. And because I might not understand accounting, taxes, you know, all those various things, I then trust them to do what they're supposed to be doing. Um, and you're right. I mean, it's it's an embarrassment. You're you're ashamed. You know, you don't want to admit, oh, my gosh, I hired the wrong person. Or I'm not smart enough to read financial records, um, you know all of those things. So you know it, it's it's understandable why so many businesses go under because of this. Right, right. And and here's the thing though, Deb, we cannot know everything. That's just not. It's, it just doesn't make sense. It you you went into business because you were good at what you do. You're good at that one thing or that two, those two things or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're not trying to go. I'm not saying that every business owner needs to know accounting and needs right. to know tax. And then they need to know law and they need to know marketing. And they need, you. I mean, of course, you want to have some idea about all of those things. But, yeah, you there. Is, you can still operate a business and employ people to help you or contract with people to help you. My thing is just understand how to monitor those people. What are some of the things that you want to make sure that you don't give control to? And, you know, what are the systems that you can put into place to make sure that this person does not, you know, take advantage of you? Right. You know, well, and one of the things that you mentioned is getting reports. I mean, you know, if and you should have it worked out with your CPA, your accountant, whoever, you know, internal employee, you know, I will get a monthly report, a quarterly report, whatever it is that you want. And then if you don't get that, that right there is a red flag, mm-hmm. you know, and and I, it's amazing when I talk to business owners who are struggling or who have actually gone out of business, who tell me, well, you know, I didn't see my financial books for a year. Really? Yeah, I'm sorry. Right. You're the you're the owner. Right. Even if you don't understand it. 
you should be looking at it. And the person that you have hired to do it, if you say, explain this to me, exactly, they had better be able to explain it or I'm going to fire them. Um, right. You know, I don't care if they're the best in the world. If they can't, and, and I love how you say, you know, do it in plain English. Because that's the other thing, you know, they can boogity boogity boogie down like that. Right. And some people will that do mean? that. Mm-hmm. Those right. are the people, you know, that's not that's not always a sign of somebody being shysty or whatever. But if, if they can't break it down in a language that you understand, then that mm-hmm. should be of concern to you. Right. Right. Um, well, and, you know, as professionals, we tend to use industry language. Absolutely. You know, and, and so and I forget that not everybody knows some of the Facebook terms I might use or, you know, I, I'll talk about something on LinkedIn and they don't know. And, you know, or we use acronyms and, you know, and, and sometimes we want to be impressive and we use big words. Right. Um, <laughs> right. you know, but, but, yeah, you're, you're the person who's doing your finances had better be able to explain it to you and explain it to you to your satisfaction. Right. To your level of understanding. And that's one of the things that um, I am. I'm really good at, you know, and that's one of the things that my clients appreciate about me is the fact that I can speak accounting jargon. I have accountant. I have accountant friends and we text each other and we, you know, we talk and we have drinks or whatever. But when I'm talking to my clients, they can care. They don't care about what gap is like. They don't know I what, know. Gap, you know, like mm-hmm. they don't really care. Like it really like what does this mean to me, Bernadette? And so for me, when I am speaking with my clients, it is important that they understand what I'm saying in a way. And and I and I always ask, you know, when I'm talking to clients, if I'm whether it's a tax return we're reviewing financial statements or whatever the case, I will say, I say it repeatedly. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Because if it doesn't make sense, then I will explain it another way until it does make sense, Mm -hmm. you know? So, well, and it's funny when when we were talking about that, I remember I had someone who asked me to invest in their business and I got, you know, a fairly good business proposal, but it was, there were a lot of things lacking. And so I asked them for their P and L and I actually asked for it using that term P and L. And I got back, what? And I thought, oh, dear. And so then I responded, I would like to see your profit and loss statements for the last five years, I think was what I asked for. And they didn't know what it was. And oh, I thought, okay, gee. not investing with that company. Wow. And, you know, and but it was funny, you know, the first red flag was they didn't know what P&L was. Right. And then when they really didn't know what a profit and loss statement was, I, and I told them, I said, I'm sorry. You know, there's no way I would invest $10 with you, let alone the 75,000 that you're asking for, Um, you know, and and so but, you know, somewhere along the line, clearly there was something screwed up because they hadn't been working with their accountant close enough to know what a P&L was and, and, you know, some things like that. But again, you know, it's it's make it so that people can understand it. Yeah, I, I mean. No one, we already know that you're smart. You know, I, I know that I'm smart. I have three degrees. You know, I have three degrees and several certifications and all of this stuff. I already know that I'm smart. So using big words and saying stuff that's not, that doesn't make sense to you is not impressive. Right. <laughs> you, know? Yeah. So, you know, I look and I see you're a master of business administration and a master of science and fraud and forensic. And right there, I'm thinking, oh, my God, I can't even talk to Bernadette. <laughs> but, you know, the, the, the key is that, you know, yes, you do make it easy to understand. Yeah. And that, and that I think it's because um, I really have, I'm a teacher at heart. 
So I I don't know. I've, I've never, sh- I didn't share this with you when we talked off the air, but when I went to college, I started out as an education major. Oh. I went to college and I was going to major in education. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a math teacher. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, t- I started, I got accepted into college as an education major. I took my first class in education and I thought, oh my gosh, I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> danger, danger. <laughs> so I took, you know, I took the first class and I think it was, it wasn't that I didn't like education. I just said, there's no way I can do four years of classes like this. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I did not like about the class was it was too subjective. There, you know, it was too, I am, I'm exact and I am, you know, I'm a numbers person. I've always been a numbers person. So I'm just so exact. And I just struggled with the fact that the teacher would ask a question, a professor would ask a question and five people would answer and five people would have five different answers and everybody was right. I'm just like, yeah, I I don't get that. Like, how does Mm -hmm. that work? You know? And so I thought, "Mm, I can't do this. So I um I sat down and I spoke with one of my college professors who was a math teacher. She loved me because I got math and and um you know I was the you know answering all the questions and doing all the homework and all that stuff and so she said, "Well, you know, you're really good in math. Maybe you should think about accounting." Again, I hadn't I didn't have any idea about accounting. I didn't know you know and so I said, "Okay, well I'll give it a try." So the next semester I took an accounting class, loved it. Yeah, Absolutely loved it. Yes, yes, yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> my eyes just opened up and I'm like, oh yes, this is it. This is it. But I think deep down in my heart, I'm still a teacher. And so I'm just thankful that I'm able to do something that I love, which is the accounting part. Mm-hmm. And I can bring in the teaching, which is something that I'm really good at. You right. know, so. Well, and and it is. It's it's such a great combination um, because you are Using those exact skills and and folks, you know, money, you can't, two and two really do make four. (laughs) Always. It can't be, well, but this time it's 4.5. It's kind of, it's kind of four, you know. And, and yes, there are rounding things and, and all of that, but um you know, it's, I, I just have to share this story. So many years ago, I uh, worked for a very large corporation. And part of what I had to do in the communications department was their annual report. Well, we had, um, it was, and like I said, two and two don't always make four for me. So I go trotting down to the accounting people and I said, okay, I need all the numbers. And this was a multinational corporation. So the numbers they were giving me were in guilders, in euros, mm. and, and so then, and I had to translate it. So luckily, I know Excel and you know all these various things. And so you know, I'm I'm actually wading my way through this and doing pretty good. But I came down to the bottom number for you know annual sales, and I was off by one. And, you know, the very last number, I was off by one. And I called the little accounting people back, and I said, I don't know what I've done. You know, and and they very sweetly said it's a rounding error. I said, okay. And they said, just go up or go down. We, we really don't care. And I said, it's one. Yeah. And I said, well, I'm not really comfortable doing that. And they said, ah. you know, I got the, ah. and, and they said, why? And I said, because it's a billion dollars up or down. Oh. And they went, yeah. And they went, fine, round up. Okay. <laughs> you know, and, and because, it, you know, that it wasn't, you know, and, and you know, there are the, the, the disclaimers in annual reports that, you know, true detailed financials ask for and blah 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 
so having that little rounding thing was okay. But it was like, holy schmoly, you know, and, and, but that really doesn't happen. I mean, you know, you can't tell the IRS, well, I think I'm going to round down and pay you $1,000 as opposed to 1500 Right. right. Yeah, it doesn't work. They don't do rounding. And, you know, just as if you were getting a paycheck, you wouldn't want your employer saying, well, I'm rounding it this time. And I'm going to round down. (laughs) Numbers are numbers and they need to be exact. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, you know, that's, that was what it took for me to really find my place Mm -hmm. in this world, you know, and so this is my place. This is accounting is my place. And even, even though I've done different types of accounting over the years, um, it's my place. You know, I'm a numbers girl. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, now, one of the things that, that we mentioned is the fact that you are an author and your most recent book is called Did You Hire a Fraud? So let's talk more about that because uh, I haven't had time to read it. <laughs> um, so but that's all right, because that just means that we get to discuss more. So why did you write the book? And, and that's an interesting title, too. So tell us about it. So I. I <laughs> When I was writing the book, well, actually, I was looking for, I was putting together a class. I was going to do a class to teach people about protecting themselves from fraud. What are some of the signs that you can look for and all these things? And so, you know, I'm going through and doing all this stuff with the class. And um, as I was doing the outline for the class, I thought, wow, this is really good. I need to actually make this a book. Uh-huh. And so um, that's when I did. Well, when I came up with the title, because, of course, I needed something that was going to grab people. Fraud is not exciting. It's not right. sexy. Well, um, again, we don't want to admit that. Yeah, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to admit that it happens. And so I needed something that was going to grab people. And with occupational fraud, that's usually what happens. The person who committed that fraud is usually somebody you hired, you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's that's how I ca- came up with the title. And that is. Um, that's the reason why I wrote the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so the book is, it's three parts to the book. In the book, I talk about the face of fraud, the things that you need to look out for as far as the, the statistics, the signs, the schemes that, that people perpetrate. And the second half, the second part of the book, I tell some true stories. Um, and so because I wanted to protect the identity of my clients, I didn't use any any stories of clients that I've worked with. I actually used real stories that were in the headlines, things that actually happened. So I tell four stories in the book of um, actual fraud cases. Um, so there's a case of a fraud that happened to a small business owner. There is one that happened to a church owner, a church, you know, um, a nonprofit organization. And then there's even one in the book where I talk about that happened to a major corporation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and then the third part of the book is when I talk about the solutions. What are some of the things that you can do as a business owner to protect yourself from fraud? Now, we'll never eliminate fraud. I mean, fraud is like any other crime. Mm-hmm. We won't ever totally eliminate it. But there are certain things that you can do or, or things that you can put into place that can eliminate it, um, you know, or um, minimize it as much as possible. So those are some of the things that I, that I talk about in the book. Right. You know, and, and some of those are just simple checks and balances. You know, it, it's somebody else reviewing the records. Um, right. You know, if you have employees who have corporate credit cards, you know, do you review the statements? 
Because, right. you know, it's it's really easy. If you've got two cards in your wallet and you've gone to the supermarket, you might grab the wrong one. You know, Absolutely. And, and so you didn't intentionally do that. But oopsie daisy, the company just bought your week's worth of groceries. And you um, got away with it. So right. now, then what like, else can I get away with? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. You know, and, 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 you know, there are obviously the people who that is their criminal mindset, you know, and, and they, you know, they're going to do that. But, you know, I, I think that in many cases it really was not intentional. You know, it was and and or, you know, they thought I'll pay it back. I think that's probably one of the biggest things is they, mm-hmm. think, well, you know, maybe in the <coughs> excuse me, in the case of a nonprofit, you know, I'll I'll take out five thousand from the account, but I'll pay it back. Right. And then they don't pay it back. And, oh, golly, they need another 5000 And then they've gone down that slippery slope, and they're like, well, I might as well take all of it. <laughs> you know, nobody caught me the first couple of times, so. And you know what, Deb? Most occupational fraudsters are first-time offenders. Right. Um, they, they haven't done this before. This, is, this was not their intent. And it's usually um, something that causes them to to get to that point. Right. So, like you mentioned before, I have a I have a master's of science in fraud and forensics, and one of the things that I learned with that and becoming a certified fraud examiner is we we call it it's called the fraud triangle. Mm-hmm. And it, the fraud triangle basically says that there are three factors that must be present for an ordinary person. To commit a fraud. Um, And so those three factors are one, it's pressure, meaning that they have some outside pressure, some financial problem that they feel is unshareable. Like they, you know, I'm behind on my mortgage or I'm about to be evicted or my house is about to foreclose or they're about to come repossess my car or whatever the case may be. There's something big that's happening and it's a problem. Now, it's a financial problem or pressure that a person is having and they don't feel like they can share it with someone else. Um, So there's that there's the pressure. Then you have the second part of the triangle is the opportunity. And this means that they have a way, you know, they figured out like, wait, you know what? I have a company credit card and I don't really think that they're really paying that much attention. to, Right. Or I have the authority to write checks and nobody's, you know, I write checks and I sign checks. And so there's some type of an opportunity for them to commit the fraud and they feel like they can get away with it. You know, most fraudsters do think that. Right. And the third part of the triangle is a part of what you just said. And this is the rationalization piece. And this is the piece in their mind when they say stuff like, oh, I'm going to pay the money back or it's just a loan or, man, I had to provide for my family. I'm underpaid anyway. Um, so the boss is walking around and driving in a fancy car and I live and I and I drive a Hyundai, you know, or whatever the case may right. be. And so they feel justified mm-hmm. in doing it. Um, right. So so those are those are usually the things that kind of can take an ordinary person, that sweet, sweet lady who's bringing in cookies for everyone to steal money from the church, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so you have an acronym for fraud. Go ahead and, and tell us what F-R-A-U-D means. Okay, so I have an acronym, and these are some of the signs. These are things that you can look for in your um, employees. Um, and when you see these signs, they don't necessarily mean that this person is committing a fraud, but it's definitely something that mm-hmm. should cause you to pay attention. 
Um, so the first letter in F is, um, oh my gosh, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was swallowing. I'm sorry. So the first letter in F is stands for flashy. Right. Ah. And so flashy is the person who's um, living beyond their means. And sometimes you might think, well, how will I know if they're living behind beyond their means? Most of the time when people are living beyond their means, they do things that will bring attention to what they're doing. Um, and so they might be um, carrying fancy purses or taking trips and going on vacation to fancy places, or maybe they even live in a neighborhood that you just might question whether or not their income could truly support living in that, in that neighborhood. So, you know, sometimes there's a reasonable explanation for why the person their might have- might make more. Right, you know, you know mm-hmm. but it, it is definitely cause for you to pay attention mm-hmm. if, you know, you have someone that's kind of a little on the flashy side, right? Mm-hmm. So the R stands for recently divorced or devastated. And so sometimes with divorce or any type of devastation, whether it's medical problems or things like that, Mm -hmm. it can put you in a situation where you're not only hurting emotionally, but it can also hurt you financially. Just think Mm -hmm. not very many people can go from two incomes to one. Um, um, So going from two incomes to one income or having an excessive amount of medical bills or things like that could cause a person to do something that they wouldn't ordinarily do. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what the R stands for, recently divorced or devastated. The A stands for always at work. Now, I know this sounds like a really good trait. Like, why wouldn't wouldn't I want someone who's always at work? But when you're always at work, usually a fraudster has to commit their crime in privacy. And they so they're always there. They're early and they leave late because they have to do it when no one else is there. They rarely take a vacation because they don't want their fraud to be detected in their absence. Um, And so they're always at work. So pay attention to those things. And one of the things that that an employer can do is have mandatory vacations. Um, so where uh, okay. employees have to take time off mm-hmm. um, so that someone else can can kind of be checking their work, right. you know, while they're out. And, or and they- you are their employer that their work site is your property. You exactly. know, there's there's not. Well, you can't come into my office because of right to privacy. No. Uh-uh, no. Right. You know, yeah. I own that computer. I can look <laughs> to see what's on that computer. Exactly. And those those file cabinets and that desk and everything mm-hmm. in here. Yeah. So you want to pay attention. I break the lock. <laughs> right. So pay attention to those those really, really faithful employees. And it's so sad that because anytime I investigate a case and I talk and I'm, you know, a lot of times it's in that initial conversation where I'm asking questions. One of these signs always show up, you know, and you hear them say stuff like, man, she was our most faithful employee. She was mm-hmm. always here. And I'm like, ding, 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 you know, yeah. uh-huh. um, so that's want you to check on her. Yeah, right. And so, you know, but it was the the illusion that um, that she was just this faithful employee when really she's robbing you blind. Right. Um, 
So the U stands for unusually close. And so you want to take notice of any unusually close relationships, whether it's with vendors, customers, or other employees. They could be going to lunch together all the time, having drinks together after work, or maybe even taking vacations together. You want to pay attention to these unusually close associations because employees could be colluding with each other. Uh-huh. You know, you could have an employee, one in accounts payables, one in accounts receivables saying, hey, let's get together and we can figure out how we can steal from the company. Mm-hmm. Um, you could have employees colluding with vendors. To, right. So you can say oh, yeah. to a vendor, you know, hey, you submit this invoice for an extra $200 and we'll split. the. You get 100 and I get 100. Right. Um, so, you know, you want to deserve it. Right. Or colluding with customers and telling customers, you know, uh, refunding customers when they actually kept the stuff, you know, like issuing a refund, but they didn't really bring the stuff back. So pay attention to those kind of things. And then the last letter in fraud is D, and this stands for drowning in debt. And so you want to pay attention to a person who has lots of financial pressure. Maybe they're receiving lots of phone calls at work from bill collectors or or ignoring phone calls on their cell phone. You know, when people hit that red button all right. the time oh, yeah. <laughs> on their cell phone. And so you want to pay attention to that. So, again, everybody has debt. We all have debt. It's just oh, yeah. a matter of how are you managing that debt? Mm-hmm. And so if, if your debt is unmanageable, it might put you in a situation where you may commit a fraud to mm-hmm. to relieve some of that. So those are some of the signs that you want to pay attention to um, to see if you actually hired a fraud. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and it's funny because as you were going through those, I was thinking about social media. And, you know, because I always have people that that say to me, you know, should I be friends with my boss on Facebook? And I said, well, you know, that's your choice. (laughs) But if you are the boss, you know, and and. And, you know, it's, it's funny because I see people posting all the time. And typically I'm working with people when they're looking for a job. Mm-hmm. And so I tell them, be very careful what you're posting on social media. Exactly. Um, because your potential employer might look, you know, and, and, and maybe they don't, but they know somebody who knows you, you know, all those various things because we're all so interconnected. And if you're posting that you got fired from your last job um, because because you embezzled. I saw that one time. I'm like, okay. Um, wow. Uh, you know that that you're having financial difficulties, going through a divorce. You know all of those things. You know, and, and as you know, what if you know what if I'm you know say your boss and I'm looking at your Facebook posts and I see that you are best buddies with the people that I buy our office equipment. Exactly. From. You know, that that really is one of those things. So now, folks, we're not telling you how to get away with fraud. No, no. But but it is something because we are looking at those things, um, you know, and 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 more importantly, you know, first of all, you shouldn't be posting stuff like that anyway. But, um, you know, it, it is something that we are so interconnected and. And it's much easier for people to start putting together the pieces to figure out there is a problem. Right. And here's the thing, like social media has made it so that we can, quote unquote, spy on people without being a spy, (laughs) you know, Uh because we live in a world of oversharing. Everybody Mm -hmm. shares everything. This is what I ate for lunch. I just woke Mm -hmm. up from nap, you know, whatever those kind of things. And so we share everything. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't share those things. But thinking about it from the perspective of an employer Pay attention to the kind of stuff that your your employees are um, 
your employees are are talk, you know, are sharing and stuff on Facebook. Like, you know, if they're constantly taking trips, you might want to want might want to know like how can they afford to go to Bermuda, you know, or how can they afford to go here? I know what I pay them. So what what are, what are they what are they doing? And they to, didn't they didn't tell me they won the lottery, <laughs> right? Or an inheritance. That's the other lie that 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 happens. Poor grandma all the, died. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, and and obviously those things do happen. You get an inheritance, you know. Now, if you win, if you really win the lottery, uh, sorry, I tell my boss toodles. Right. Um, but, Most people do. Right, right. You know, I love those people who win like you know. $10 million while well, I'm going to continue working. I'm like, yeah, right. you seriously don't appreciate that money, so give it to me. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, but, you know, it's, so speaking of employees, what if you're an employee or a volunteer, because, you know, we mentioned that this happens a lot in nonprofits, what if you suspect, you know, and, and especially what if you suspect your boss is, is doing something they, they shouldn't? What the heck do you do then? Yeah, like if it's your boss, that's a really tough call, yeah. you know, but... Let's talk about the employees first, and then we'll come back and talk about the bosses. Mm-hmm. So, uh, one of the one of the um, fraud prevention measures that we teach business owners is having some type of reporting. So, whether it's a, a hotline or something to where employees can report something, like if they suspect fraud, they can right. report those kind of things. So, Bernadette just went to the Bahamas. Yeah, like a hotline, like you might want to check into this because this person always is is always here. And I hear the customers complaining about their bills not right or whatever, whatever Mm -hmm. the case may be. Employees sometimes and tips are oftentimes one of the largest ways or the um, highest ways that a fraud is detected because somebody noticed something and they said something. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if it's your boss, then it may be you. Of course, you can't report that to someone in the company, mm-hmm. but you could probably report it to the outside authorities. They're just depending right. on what it is and and what happens. So, mm-hmm. let me tell you. I want to tell you like two cool stories. Okay. Um, so I am I'm a certified fraud examiner, mm-hmm. and one of the things that we we have a fraud conference every year. And the fraud conference is totally awesome to those of us who are in the anti-fraud professional for several reasons. But one is we can go to this conference and get all of our CDEs in one at right. one time. So that's uh-huh. like that's the total that's the most cool thing about it. But I mean the classes are awesome, the networking is awesome. Um, but we also at the conference we always have a whistleblower who comes to speak, Ooh. and we also have a convicted fraudster who comes to speak at the conference. Mm-hmm. So the whistleblower is, and it's usually the whistleblowers are usually people in the bigger companies who like right. blow the whistle on their bosses or whatever. Mm-hmm. So there was this guy um, at the conference I went to, I think this might've been the 2015 conference, but he was the whistleblower and he was talking about basically whistleblowers get protection. Like, um, and they Wait, get federal law. right. There are federal laws to protect them, but it takes so long to get the money that you that you get for being a whistleblower. And this guy basically went through like 16 years, oh. um, you know, and he's of course, he's blackballed and, you know, and in the industry, he can't get a job and he's, bar- you know, barely being able to support his family. And yes, the money that they get as whistleblowers kind of help to take care of them. But in the meantime, you know, 
Um, so, so that was, I was think, I was just thinking like, wow. You, and of course, like in, at the conference, they give these people an award because yeah, to be able to hold on and, um, do the right thing and blow the whistle on something and to, and for it to last for 16 years, you know, that's a lot. That's, that's, that's really a lot. So that's cool story. Number one. <laughs> so cool story. Number two is, um, and this is actually a story that I share in the book. One of the convicted fraudsters, so the conference is closed out by a convicted fraudster. And this person comes and they've already served their time and all of that. And they come and they share, like, what did they do? How did they get away with it? How they got caught? And, you know, whatever they want to, you know, share in that. And us as as um, professionals in the anti-fraud profession, we glean from, you know, we learn from what they, you know, what they did and how they got away with it. And just some of the things that we can share with our our clients to protect themselves. So this guy, um, his name is Nathan Mueller, and he stole $8.5 million from ING. Oh. Yes, Deb. Oh, my gosh. I was on the edge of my seat listening to his story. So he was the accounting manager at ING, and he he had the authority to um, they had switched over to a new accounting system. And when they switched over to the new accounting system, some of the controls that were in place before didn't transfer over to the new accounting oh, system. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this is the short version of the story. You have to read the book to to get the long version of the story. But he had con- he had the authority to not only request checks, but he could also approve checks. Ah. Um and but the way the system was set up, one person had to request the check and someone else had to approve it. Right. Well, because he was like the the accounting manager, he knew everybody's password. Oh, yeah. So he approved his own stuff. Yeah, right. So he would request he would log in as someone else and request the check and then log in as himself and approve it. Mm-hmm. And but the checks weren't written out to him. He was right. really, really crafty. Like mm-hmm. he had a credit card. um that had the same first name as one of the company's vendors. Ah. Um, and so he would, let's just say that the vendor was business, you know, and so business, this business radio, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so he would just make the check out to business and send, he send this check to his, his credit card company. And that's how he got out of debt. He just, you know, he, he was just transferring all his debt to that one credit card, paying off his debt. So he paid off like ninety thousand dollars in debt mm-hmm. and got away with it, you know. And he just right. it, it just it just kept going and it escalated mm-hmm. till he took eight point five million dollars. Wow! And wow. he was a CPA, so he actually mm-hmm. kept records of every dime oh. that he stole. I love it. He reported it on his taxes, which ill-gotten gains is taxable. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. So he did report it on his taxes, and so when they caught him, he had all the records. They didn't really have to do any investigating. It was just <laughs> he, he had all the records to to give them of you know like this is what I stole, and he he had an accounting of what he did with the money and everything. So I love it. Yeah, that's kind of like a serial killer keeping a diary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and but part of it is that mindset of knowing you're getting away with it. Yeah. And and you know and that you're smarter than than other people. You know, and 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 again, I don't care if it's that you're taking 10 bucks, you know, out of petty cash or millions of dollars. 
pretty soon your ego does come in. You know, yeah. you're smarter than your boss. You're smarter than you know the the, the minister, whoever it is. And so then you do you you think well you know I'm get, I'm keeping a record of this and and then of course you know people do like to go back and and review their <clears throat> accomplishments right um you know and and so that's that's what's very interesting about this yeah yeah so there I, I tell I, I have four stories in the book one of the stories I will um, if it's okay I can give a free gift to your listeners oh sure that'd be great uh, um, they can download a free chapter of the book and this is the story that probably resonate more with your listeners because this is a story about the small business fraud okay um, that happened so they can go to did you hire a fraud.com mm-hmm. um, and um, on that page they can request their free ch- their free chapter just you can scroll all the way to the bottom and and get your free chapter. But um, yeah, that that story is um, I've shared that story with a lot of people and they all it's like heart wrenching because mm-hmm. so many people see themselves in that story. Like, oh, my gosh, this could really happen to me. Right. Right. You know, and and again, you know, as, as you mentioned, most people don't really set out to do it. You know, it's it's something that, you know, I've I've heard people say, well, you know, I've I did this because I'm not paid enough mm-hmm. or, um, you know, they, they, I worked overtime and they didn't compensate me or she makes more than I do. And I, and do, I do all the work, <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, all of those various things, um, you know, the, the, I will pay it back type of people. And then of course there are the people who just don't pay attention and they're robbed blind. And, and, you know, there's a part of me that thinks one, well, yeah, you know, if you're, if you're not going to pay attention, then you deserve it. But unfortunately there's a ripple effect. You know, there are people that maybe they had employees that got fired, um, vendors that didn't get paid, you know, all of those various things. And so it really is so important for people to know your own stuff. Um, you know, and, and, and that's really what, what the, the focus is. You, you have to know your own stuff. You have to hire people who know their stuff. Um, and, you know, and, and make sure that you're doing everything the right way. Yeah. You just, you know, people check, your employees will pay attention to the things that you watch and the things that you don't watch are the things that they, they will get away with. Whether it's maybe they're not stealing money from you, they might be stealing time because you don't pay attention to the payroll reports and people aren't really working 40 hours, but they're reporting 40 hours. And so they, you know, they pay attention to the things that you pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and they're looking at you as an example. Exactly. You know, if, if, if say, you know, you're the, the boss and I know that you have a company cell phone, smartphone, and you're doing, you know, you're using it for personal use. And that's against the rules. You know, then I'm, you know, I'm like, well, if she can do it, I can do it. Um, you know, and, and yeah, so they do. They look to those, to, to their employers, to their bosses, to, you know, whoever it is for that example. And it, and it is kind of the, well, if they're going to do it, I'm going to do it too. Right. Right. And so we just, as business owners, um, we have to be we have to pay attention. We really do have to pay attention. Um, and again, this book and what I do is all because I really am. I am committed to keeping small business in business. And so in doing that, it's really about educating you on how you can. You have to you can't grow your business without expanding without hiring people but i like to i just want to educate you on what are the things that you can do as the business owner as your business grows to make sure that you don't become the story in my next book 
right, right. You know, and and as a business owner, you should be reviewing, say, the invoices that come to you from vendors. You know, did you pay for 10 and they charged you for 15? Um, you know, obviously there's lots of honest oops, mistakes. But, you know, look at all of those things because yeah. there might be fraud that's being committed there. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you are a part of a nonprofit and you think something wonky is going on, you know, it and probably even, is. <laughs> there's so many ways to anonymously be able to, to tell things. And that's, you know, that's the important thing, because a lot of people do, you know, they, they know something's wrong, but they're scared of retribution. Um, you know, they're going to lose their job, their friends or whatever. So, you know, find ways that you can anonymously report things. Um, you know, and, and keep reporting it. You know, folks, if you think something is going on, don't just say, oh, I saw Bernadette do this and then never, you know. Get, keep oh, yeah. When it when it comes yeah. to light and say, oh, yeah, I did see that. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know and, and so it's it's so important. Um, but, you know, it, it really is. You know, it happens all the time, whether accident or on purpose. You know, these things happen. And, and sometimes it does start out small. You know, you, you take a couple pens from your desk that the employer paid for. Well, then nobody noticed that you took the pens, so you're going to take this, you know, and, and, and all of those things. Or you know, there are those people who are like, let's see if we can get 10 grand out of them. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, so tell us again how they find you and connect with you online, Bernadette. Okay, so first thing is make sure you go and get your free chapter at didyouhireafraud.com. Um, and my website is bythebookaccounting.com and they can connect with me on, on there and on social media, they'll link to all of that stuff. So great, great. Well, and, and I love the name of your company by the book accounting because that says it all. It says you know, it. It's kind of like a duh. <laughs> so I still don't understand Deb, why people uh, every now and then, like every two to three years, I get a call from someone who wants me to do something crazy, like some <laughs> fake tax returns or fake financial statements. I'm thinking like, did you pay attention to uh, did, the, do you not know who I am? <laughs> Um, you want this rule follower to get you a, a fake tax return? No, you called the wrong place. And and I tell you what, you know, there, there, you know, I might drive over the speed limit every once in a while, you know, all the, but I do not ever mess with the IRS. No way. <laughs> no, they, I, they, you know, somebody put it one time. They're the largest and meanest debt collector in the world. <laughs> so, but, but great. Well, Bernadette, again, we can find your information at buythebookaccounting.com. You can find the book on and, and Bernadette's other books on Amazon, so please look there. Um, and then, of course, go to didyouhireafraud.com to get a free chapter of the book. Perfect. Well, this really has been a delight, Bernadette. And I did learn, um, you know, and, and as I mentioned at the start of the program, I know nothing about forensic accounting, but... It really does open your eyes to think, wow, this this can be happening, it can be happening to my company, it can be happening to my employer, to where I volunteer, all those various things. And we need to be diligent and we need to make sure that as much as we can to stop it from happening. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And folks, if you're thinking, I can cheat a little bit and it won't matter, it matters. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> just, Just don't do it. So I am Deb Creer. I've been having an absolutely wonderful time talking with Bernadette Harris. And for everyone out there, have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. 
Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.